Welcome back to Runs in the Family, our ninth edition. First of all, let me apologize for last week because we were not able to record as normal. But believe it or not, this store gets pretty darn busy and it's hard to get in this room and give up an hour sometimes and it just didn't happen. I like to be consistent. We'll be here every Wednesday and um, we'll keep it going. Um, Skylar will not be with us today. You know, my youngest son, he is a full-time student. He works at the store and he said he had a paper due tonight and he's just super busy. So he's missing his first first edition of this show. So, uh, but the good news is Brett Wilkes, Huntsville, Alabama here, special guest. And our whole podcast today is going to be about Dwayne Satterfield. Um, anybody that knows me knows uh, Dwayne and I go back to the late, 80s and um been running together forever been friends forever and uh we've lost Dwayne here uh it's just it's a horrible thing and we're going to talk about Dwayne this entire episode and Brett has been running with Dwayne very consistently for the last 10 years and um I thought it was very appropriate to have Brett on here today welcome Brett thanks good to be here um I think we should start with, you know, this show. This show's all about telling stories, and um, I want to go back to the first day I ever met Dwayne. I can specifically remember it. We both worked at Teledyne Brown Engineering here in Huntsville. He was pretty fresh out of college, and as you know, Dwayne was a smart fella. He majored in math. He was mm-hmm. a mathematician and computer science. He was a double major. And he went to UAH, and um, he had a job at Teledyne Brown. And first time I ever see him, he, he walks up to me, and we're in building two at the time of Teledyne Brown, right off of Wind Drive over there. And he's like, you're Dink Taylor, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm Dwayne. He goes, you run a lot, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. He goes, I used to run a lot, too, and I'm getting back into it. Um, he said, while I was in college and everything, I really didn't have a lot of time to run but that he had run in high school. And you knew, I knew immediately he was serious about getting into running. You know why? He said when he was in high school, he said he ran the mile in 4.28. Jeez. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. 4.28 mile. And when he told me that, I'm like, well, the dude obviously has some wheels. Right. He can roll. And I was at Teledyne for probably three years, maybe, and um, we actually started running together, even from the Teledyne Brown little locker room at lunchtime, and that's kind of how our relationship began, was at um, Teledyne Brown, and that was in before Alan, who was producing this podcast, was even born. He was not born yet, and Alan's 31 years old. Wow. Um, do you remember... Your first encounter with Dwayne. Well, you made me think of something when you said that. Um, I heard a story about uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Nelson. R. Nelson. And I think he's back from the Teledyne Brown days. And I think that to this day, Ronnie still owes Dwayne a cheeseburger. (laughs) For what? There was some kind of, I think y'all did a mile very regularly from Teledyne Brown. Is that right? That's pretty correct, yes. And I forgot Ronnie was part of that. Yeah, yeah. so I, it stuck with me because he brought it up every now and then when we would see Ronnie out on the Arsenal, and he would say that Ronnie still owed him a cheeseburger. Oh, that's funny. And you know Ronnie, do you know who Ronnie Nelson oh, yeah. is? You know, he's oh, yeah. the director of the 8K out at UAH that just happened two weeks ago. And he, um, 
Ronnie used to duke it out with me and Dwayne at 10K road races. Oh, yeah. you know, Ronnie ran a 35-minute 10K, so he was not a jogger. Um, and Ronnie was actually, I'm going to call and Ronnie would probably agree with this, he was always me and Dwayne's biggest fans. Yeah. He was always sending me messages. How do you and Dwayne, right. how are y'all still doing that? Yeah. Did you see what Dwayne did today? Right. I, he always, to this day, messages me about, you know, Why'd you do at Chee Hall this past weekend or whatever? But that's your first memories of Dwayne? No. Um, so my first memories of Dwayne, um, they actually started with David Riddle. So David Riddle graduated from Auburn, and he actually came to work on the Arsenal for the same group that I work in today. Um, and I kind of pulled David under my wings and trained him. And I uh, didn't know it at the time, but he was going to wind up training me. <laughs> um, but you know, we took a trip out to Boston and I took my first running steps in Boston with David Riddle. Wow. And that was in 2008. Um, we came back and I slowly got in the running routine. Uh, Dwayne at the time worked in building 5,400 at Redstone Arsenal. And that's the locker room that I was using. So I think I had seen him a couple times out on the path, just running back and forth. Not surprising. Um, and one day Riddle introduced me to Dwayne and it's a, actually a really funny story. You may have to cut it, but, <laughs> um, so I'm, we come back into the locker room and, uh, me and Riddle had walked in. Dwayne was actually changing. So he was standing there butt naked <laughs> and Riddle says, Hey, this is Dwayne Satterfield. And, and so he reaches his hand out and I shook Dwayne's hand the first time with while he was standing there butt naked. <laughs> so, I haven't heard that story. Never told me that. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it was a power move on his part <laughs> trying to intimidate me, but it didn't work. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Um, well, you know, and yeah, we're going to probably tell a lot of Dwayne stories today. Um, let's see. So... 80s, we started running. Well, we met or a guy named... I, we had a Thursday night group running on Montesano. And it was called Montesano 10-Miler, Thursday night run. And that run actually was started by me and Mark Dummer. Me and Mark Dummer started doing it, and it was just me and him. And we were doing it, and we were running. And then next thing I know, Randall Rowland, we met Randall. And he was like, I want to get faster. Where are y'all running? And I said, well, we run every Thursday at Montesano School at 5.15. And next thing you know, Randall's coming up there. Of course, Dwayne's coming up there. And we start this Thursday night run on Montesano from the school. And it was a 10-miler. And that thing got really competitive. And it, it grew to as many as 20 to 25 runners on Thursday nights. And we were there very consistently. But what happened was anytime somebody wanted to become a better runner, they would go to Montesano and, and they would do that 10-miler. You know Marty Clark? I do, yeah. He used to be really slow until he started coming to that 10-miler on Thursday night. And it was just got to be a, mm -hmm. a free-for-all. I mean, we were just hammering that thing every Thursday night. But that's when Randall Rowland start, came up with this idea. We're up there on a Thursday night running. And he said, it was me and him and Dwayne, and I don't know who else. Uh, probably Marty. I don't know. It's probably actually not Marty yet because Marty wasn't in the scene yet. But he was like, I've been thinking. I've got us, we're going to have a team and it's going to be called Team Bad. 
And our theme song is going to be Bad to the Bone by George Thorgood. Yeah. And we're like, we're looking at each other and we're like, well, he said, and bad stands for built around distance. Wow. So it's B period, A period. Yep. I don't know why he came up with the skull and crossbones, but he wanted to be intimidated. He wanted to pick the hardest races to run in the mm-hmm. Southeast. Races like the Hogpen Hill Climb, the Shodan Ridge Trail Run, and... You know, Randall became the fearless leader of that group. And, of course, me, Dwayne, Mark Dummer were the early members of that club. We, we went on to pick up other people like Craig Armstrong, Jim Bostic, David Mayo. Do you know David Mayo? I've never met. I've heard stories, but I have not. David will be – you will see him tomorrow for okay. sure. Um, but the, it, the whole other story, David Mayo started running with us after he lost 105 pounds. He lost 105 pounds and ended up running a 237 marathon. Wow. In our little group there. Uh, I always said it was because he was used to carrying 105 pounds. And yeah. He lost that 105 pounds and he felt like he could fly like a bird and that boy could go. But Dwayne ran a lot of miles with um, Mayo as well. Of course, we all ran a lot of miles together back in those. That was the early 90s. Okay. Uh, 90 to 92 range. Um, and, uh, you know, Randall could probably tell you a million stories i try to remember them all but that little group uh randall's best friend at the time probably still is one of his best friends is ricky austin and we mm-hmm. called him rat and rat lived in piedmont but he so wanted to be part of our little group so even though he didn't live here in Huntsville like the rest of us he would meet us at all the same races oh, yeah. because randall would pick the races and we would do them i can remember with with Dwayne and everybody having cookouts at ricky's place down in Piedmont, Alabama. And we would run a race that morning, then go climb Duggar Mountain, like the second highest point in Alabama, on one of Ricky's little dirt road routes, then go hang out at his uh, family's little area. They had like a soap on a rope and a pond, and we were swimming in this creek and cooking out. And Dwayne was part of that. I mean, we were doing all this stuff, and Randall had us going to races every weekend. And never he never wanted easy races. It always had to be the hard stuff, like the Brasstown Ball Buster. You ever heard of that? I have not. Me and Dwayne, ran, we all ran it on more than one occasion. In North Georgia, almost on the North Carolina line, is the Brasstown Ball, the highest point in Georgia. Okay. So it was a 5K run that had 1,700 feet of gain. Wow. 5K, road race. And first time Randall took a, took us all over there, uh, me, Dwayne, we, none of us broke 30 minutes oh, yeah. for the 5K. Of course, we went back the next year, and I think we all broke 30 minutes because we started training on Green Mountain over here because yeah. we wanted to be ready for that thing. Yeah. New Year's Day would hit, we'd be training on that thing. Up and down yeah. Green Mountain, up and down Montesano. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Though. Even if you do a hilly run around here, it's hard to get 1,700 in 10 miles. You're correct. Um, from Oak Park to the top of Montesano is a thousand. Yeah, you can get a thousand, but that and that's three and a half miles. Yeah, seventeen hundred in a five k. Yeah, that's insane. But that was the kind of stuff Randall was into, and um, naturally, me and Dwayne and all of us just followed him. Well, back in those days, I was like young. I mean, we were in our twenties. I didn't have a lot of money. Alan, of course, Dwayne was there when Alan and Casey were born. And they all, you know, came to see the babies and all. And I lived in a little bitty house in Northeast Huntsville over near Lee High School. And, you know, we were paycheck-to-paycheck type deals. And Randall decided he wanted 
team uniforms, team bad. Mm-hmm. So we had matching uniforms at the races, matching jackets. Well, at the time, I couldn't afford all that stuff. But I know Dwayne and Randall, they chipped in and bought mine for me. Wow. You know, that sounds just like them, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, of course, they had good jobs, their engineering jobs and whatnot, and um, they were far smarter than I ever was and still still are. But um, they were taking care of me. I mean, there was we had our little nice little family there going, and that's how all this started with me and Dwayne. The, that team, of course, eventually dissipated, as right. things do. Randall's knee got hurt and whatnot. And um, one thing I did leave out there was uh, in those early 90s, I was still, they were still dominating the road races, but I had kind of decided to start doing some ultra running. I mm-hmm. told you about that when we were running mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Um, and I had ventured off to Pine Mountain, Georgia to run my first trail run, which I think was in 1987. It was the Pine Mountain 46.2 mile trail race. So I was kind of doing that on the side from the Team Bad stuff. And I couldn't get Randall and Dwayne and them to do it, do the ultras. And then finally, in, a, in the early 90s, I got Dwayne somehow talked into doing the Birmingham Track Club 50-miler. Of course, it took Randall getting interested in it as well. So right. Randall decided he was going to do it as well. And, uh, you know, long story short, they ran the Birmingham Track Club 50-miler. And that was what set Dwayne off on the ultramarathon path. And that's kind of what also bound us together because – Everybody else went somewhere else, and we started running together and started doing trail running on Montesano. Yep. Uh, exploring the trails. And again, we were on the same work schedule, sort of. Had the same days off on holidays, so we would... That holiday was automatic. It meant we were running 20-plus on Montesano, and it would usually just be me and Dwayne, and we usually never saw a soul. Right. Nobody was running trails in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it just wasn't happening. Um, and that's when I was starting to get visions of mountainous trail run. Uh, just still a little young, but didn't have the experience. And uh, we just kept going to races. And even me and Wayne used to go to a thing called the Swanee Perimeter Trail Run. It was not a race. It was just a run. And it was low key. That was what pushed me over the edge to realize that I could do something on Montesano. And we had run the trail so much that I knew them well enough and started coming up with a plan. Of course, Dwayne says, you put on a trail race. I'm going to run every one. Mm-hmm. Does that sound That sounds just like familiar? Him. Yeah. He said, if you'll put on a trail race, I will run every one. I guarantee, I promise you. And I was yeah. like, well, I know I got Dwayne. He'll run. Yeah. And then I had a couple other people tell me they would run. And lo and behold, 1995, the first mountainous trail run, 36 finishers. Wow. 36 finishers. What did we have this year? What did you have this year? Um, it was 357 finishers this year. So 10 times more. Yeah, 10 times more, and probably over 100 locals. Back then, we only had about five locals that actually did the race. Wow. It's very, very small numbers. But, um, you know, that Birmingham Track Club 50-miler went on, I know I ran it 15 years in a row, and I'm pretty sure Dwayne was running it over and over. Me and Dwayne had got to where we would, it was a 7 a.m. start. But, you know, Dwayne, he wasn't always crazy about wasting money on hotels and stuff, so... We literally, some mornings, would just get up and drive for a 7 a.m. start oh, yeah. for a 50-mile run. Oh, yeah. We did that to Chiha not that long ago. Did the same. I remember when y'all did that. Oh, yeah. We drove up the morning of Mount Chiha for Huntsville. Yeah, I'm too old for that now. Yeah. I think I may have been then. <laughs> Holy moly. But we didn't think anything about a 7 a.m. start and a two-hour drive 
the morning mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we also did a lot of tent camping. I don't know if Dwayne ever told you the very first Bartram Bash 50K down in Auburn, Alabama. You know, there used to be a race there called yeah. the Bartram Bash. It's on my list. It is. So you've got a list you've started? I've got a list that he has that he currently is tied with you for course record there. At, four, at the hours, four hours flat. Is what yeah, we ran four says. flat. I, I think that was the first year of the race. Me and Dwayne drove down to Auburn, went to the pre-race dinner, picked up our packets, ate dinner. And, man, we threw up a tent at Chewakala State Park, and we didn't think anything about sleeping on the ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just didn't. I mean, we were young, and I just have fond memories of that. I'll never even forget it. Oh, yeah. You know, there's just some things you don't forget. Uh, Yeah, I've got a good one that's similar to that. So, for my second hundred, uh, we went up to Massanutten. uh, That's the rocky one. That's the Rocky you one. You know, I ran that when it was a 50-miler in 1987. They got something similar now where they just do one of the one of the loops. You know, it's kind of a figure-eight run. They've um, changed it, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but nice enough. <laughs> yes. Miles. So the day before the race, we hop in my car, and we drive from Huntsville up to Virginia. How long a drive is that? Eight hours? Um, at least. At, at least. Le- at least eight hours. To nine. So we get there, and when they're... We got there just in time for the pre-race dinner or the pre-race meeting or whatever it was. You go back in here and you're in George Washington National Forest, you're remote. So you're not going out to get food or anything. So we had concocted this plan where we were going to camp out the night before. It was a 4 a.m. start. So we got there just in time, did the pre-race dinner, and then we kind of set up our hammocks. The, the, the funny part is that neither one of us had ever slept in a hammock before. So we had no idea what <laughs> the we were The night before a 100 mile. The night before a 100 mile. So um, it was a little bit cold. And the thing about a hammock is you're off the ground and there is no insulation underneath you. So we, we're, we're sitting there and I think we actually threw a tarp over us because the dew was falling and we didn't want to get wet. Uh, but we, we kind of told stories and passed candy back and forth and we just had a good time. Until it was time to go to bed. And then both of us, we were miserable. So about 2 o'clock in the morning, I finally broke down and I said, Dwayne, I am freezing. He said, me too. So we hiked back to my car and we slept in my car for another two hours and then got up for the race start. And while we were corralled waiting for the start of the race, somebody said, did y'all see those two idiots that hung hammocks out in the woods? <laughs> there was a bear rummaging around where they were. I wonder if they got eaten. Holy moly! Yeah. He never told me that story. Yeah, so that was a, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> Holy smoke! I think so. That was my second, and I actually beat him that one because he dropped out at the Massanutten One Hundred, and then he went back the next year and finished it. Yeah, I thought I was like I thought he finished that yeah. race. Um, that, yeah, that was his thing. If he if he had trouble at a race, he's going to go back yeah, and knock and it off I, the list. I can understand that. I had dropped out of some hundreds earlier on in my years and then went back and finished them later. Um, that Bartram Bash you were talking about down in Auburn, it was in the Tuskegee National Forest, which is a little bitty forest, but we took out like we always do, around seven-minute pace or whatever, and neither one of us could shake the other. So by the end, and I saw somebody post a picture of it, a picture of me and him finishing together. Um Oh, is that the 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 knuckle bumping? We got our hand. We're locked hands. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we tied that day in like four flat on that fifty k course. Wow. Um, and uh, just the reason that race went away is because the professor at Auburn moved. He just left that job. 
Um, He was interested in ultra running and the race. Sometimes when a race director leaves, the race leaves with them. And to my knowledge, there's no ultras in Auburn right now. Uh, And they got great trails in Chewakala. There's just not a ton of them. But that forest was big enough that you could do as Mm -hmm. many miles as you wanted. Um, What else is on your list over there? So, and this was, I just did a quick look in ultra sign up. He had three course records. Uh, one was the 48-hour at Endless Mile. He did uh, almost 164 miles in 48 hours in 2017. Yeah, so that's still kind of current. Oh, yeah. 2017 wasn't long ago. No. Uh, and that was the one I was telling you. I did the 24-hour, and when I got there, he was laid up in his little reclining chair, and I thought he was dead. He was pale, had his hands over his chest, and he just looked white as a ghost. And I actually had to nudge him to make sure he was okay. <laughs> um, what's funny is like when we're looking at all these results, and I just pulled up um, Ultra Sign Up because it's got him listed at 199 races. Uh-huh. But you know, the when you look at this, the very first race isn't until 1990. There's a couple from the early 90s. I mean, it's showing a, a one like one in 91, one in 93, two in 94. Um, the very first one it shows is May 1st, 1993, which was the Strolling Gym 40. And he ran 454, which is a gold shirt. Yep. Uh, I don't know if many people are familiar with the Strolling Gym 40, but, you know, gold shirts are kind of hard to come by. Do you have one? I don't. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they're hard to come by, and that's Dwayne's first Strolling Gym. He got a gold shirt. Well, I have in my, very first one. in my notes... He started a streak in 93 where he had three years in a row where he was under five hours. Yeah, it's and that's a hard thing to do. It just yeah. really is because the weather's so wishy-washy oh, yeah. at Strolling Gym in May. I don't think he only has three gold shirts. No, we would have to dig up the yeah. results. I was thinking about that the other day. How many Strolling Gym 40s has Dwayne finished? Um, well, I know that he got an email from Laz, and he, he's actually currently signed up for right. Strolling Gym this yeah, year. I did notice that. Uh, and Laz had told him that he's just shy of 1,000 miles. Oh, man. Yeah. So he would have got 1,000 miles this time, probably. Either this time or next. Yeah, so do the math. I mean, 41.2. Yeah. What's 1,000 divided by 41.2? That can tell you how many times. It's less. Did. So you have to do about 25 of them, right? Yeah, that's about right. Dwayne always... 25. We, yeah. Is we, that right? That's about Have right. Have you done 25 of them? I've done 33. Holy moly. Yeah, so he had 24 strolling gyms. Yeah. Yeah, he had 24 strolling gyms. Um, he knew I started running strolling gym in 1987, and I have not missed since. Yeah. And he knew that, but Dwayne's like, I'm glad I don't have that streak because right. I don't have to run it every year. I know, yeah. So some years he wouldn't show up, but he showed up a lot of those years. So right. 24 of those years he was there. 23 or 24, yeah. Yeah, 23 or 24, whatever the number is. Wow. Um, He was there, and I don't, that second time he ran it, uh, 1994, he ran 449, that's seven-minute pace for 41.2 miles. And I'm sure we ran a lot of those races together Mm -hmm. because I can see pictures, and I've seen pictures of us together. But um, I don't know how many gold shirts he ended up with. Probably four, five, six. I think I counted five when I was looking Probably at Probably five. Yeah. Um, I only had nine, believe it or not. Wow. Nine, I know it It sounds like a lot, and that is the strolling gym record for gold shirts. still holds, but I've run it 33 times. Right. The problem is that I'm not going to get any more gold shirts. I'm just, I've got 
Yeah. I'm not too old. I'm just, I've got a lot of miles on me. Uh, well, I kind of wish there was something between gold and blue because <laughs> that an hour is a long time. It is a long to time. To get a different color. So the first 100 miler that DeWine and I went together to was the Western States 100 on June 25th, 1994. Wow. So DeWine and I, get this, we didn't have to sign up for any lotteries. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a race here in Huntsville called the Airport Runway Run. It was a 5K, and it was sponsored by the Huntsville Airport. Huge race the very first time, thousands of runners. Well, they said they were going to be giving away round-trip tickets to anywhere in the U.S. as a drawing. And me and, me and Dwayne ran that race. In fact, I hung on Dwayne as long as I could in that 5K and got my 5K PR. I ran 16.38. He ran 16, like, 30 or 20-something. You know, he... I stayed with him the best I could. I mean, we went through the mile, and we were like 5.05 or something, and I'm trying to hang on to Dwayne. He's got too much freaking speed for me, mm-hmm. and I knew it. His, his mile PR was way faster than mine, but he helped drag me that day to a PR in the 5K. But anyway, after that race, guess who won one of the round-trip tickets to anywhere in the continental U.S.? I'm guessing one of you two. I did, um, and at the time, it just wasn't in my budget to be heading out to California, but that plane ticket made things better. So Dwayne said, let's go to Western States. I said, let's go. I said, I got my plane ticket right here. And um, so we started planning. I just sent Norm Klein, who was the rest, race director of Western States, I said, hey, me and Dwayne want to run Western States. He said, come on. Yeah. Send your application in. You're in. I thought that was kind of cool. So we go out to California. And that was where I got my first real lesson on West Coast running compared to East Coast. 1994, A, there was no one running hundreds around here. 100-mile trail runs in this town in 94, I don't know that I knew anybody that had done one from Huntsville, to be honest with you. So we didn't have a lot of experience. So me and Dwayne go out there, and we decide we're going to make a vacation of it because we had never, I don't think either one of us had ever been there. And, man, of course, I was overwhelmed. Squaw Valley, unbelievable. And guess what kind of shoes me and Dwayne wore at Western States? Both of us. I would guess that it was probably Nike Pegasus. It was the Nike Pegasus mm-hmm. Racer. Racer, yeah. They had a racing flat. No trail shoes. No trail shoes. We yeah. were wearing a racing flat yeah. at Western States 100. Um, of course, we got in the race, and me and Dwayne stayed together forever. I don't know how many miles we ran together. We were overwhelmed by the scenery. Well, we got down to those canyons at 112 degrees or whatever, and I was like, Dwayne... I'm going to have to let you go, dude. I was like, this stuff's kicking my butt. And he was just shuffling. Yeah. I'm like, he's shuffling, and I can't even keep up with him. And I ended up laying in Rucky Chucky at 80 miles in the tent. And it, I went in that tent. It looked like a freaking death camp in there. Yeah. There wasn't a single bed available. Is that where you said you got? No. That was, that was, this was the first year I was there. Okay. This was at 80 miles, the Rucky Chucky River crossing. I laid there. Dwayne crossed the river, and he it took him forever, but he finished, he, well, I say forever. No, it didn't take it. It wasn't that bad. He ran 25.46. Yeah. At the time, we thought that was really slow. Oh, yeah. I'd take it now. Yeah, for uh, sure. It wasn't a silver belt buckle, so we were like, we thought we were getting oh, yeah. automatic. Well, that was my first DNF, you know, 100-miler. I cut me some slack there. but yeah. uh, And then 
if you look, uh, yes, he finished, and I actually had video recording this up to him finishing that race. Really? On VHS. Where's you know, it now? I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, Alan's mother may have that tape. Okay. I don't know. You need to dig it up then. But we took the old kind you sat on your shoulder uh -huh. video, and we had a lot of video from that trip. Wow. I need to find it. I really need to find it. I but, bet the girls would love that. Yeah, I need to find that. Yeah. But we had video of him running. It looked like he was running. But, and, but, uh, oh, I've been there. Dwayne's first wife, Leanne, was walking next to him while he was running. Yeah, I'm sure that frustrated the heck out of him. Oh, it was funny. But we had a great trip, and uh, that was the that was the first year before Mount Miss. Mount Miss would start the very next okay. year. Because um, Mount first Mount Miss, uh, January 21, 1995. And, of course, Dwayne won that race, and... Uh, that started his legacy. And, yeah, I do see that he did go under three. His first three strolling gyms were all go shirts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a shocker. Out of, out, of the, out of the gate. No experience with the course, just bang. Um, yeah, so in 95, he won Mountain Mist. Um, then 1995, I went back to Western States because I didn't finish in 95. Oh, yeah. And so Dwayne did not go with me that in 95. But I finished. Yeah. It was pathetic. 28 hours. Mm. But I finished. I had unfinished business, so I did a ton of running. Ran way too many miles. I was doing 50-mile training runs. I was running 100 miles a week. So by the time I got to Western States... Overtrained. I was... It wasn't that I was overtrained. I had done so much long, slow distance that I turned into a long, slow runner. Yeah. And I, I made it to the finish line very slowly. But I made it. Um, what was funny about that year was after I did that, I was in the process of moving Alan and his sister and everybody. We were buying a new house that fall. We were moving out of our little house over in uh, northeast Huntsville, and we were moving down to southeast off of Bailey Cove into a nice, bigger house. And things were just hectic, and that was cutting into my training time. And back then, I, you know, I never, I didn't take a day off of running for 17 years. Are mm. you aware of that? Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it well, sounds crazy. I would get in three-mile runs, yeah. and that was my day. That was right your minimum, minute. right? That was my minimum, yeah. and I would get the runs in. And I just, Me and Dwayne had decided to sign up for the Arkansas Traveler 100. Yeah, but back to the streak, do you know what Dwayne would say about a streak? What? He would say, and I, I hope I can get this right, he would say, if you've got a streak going, every day means everything, and it also means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him on that, and yeah. that's why my streak stopped. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's not yeah. worth doing. It's yeah. just, I don't know. There's still streakers out there to this day. Yeah. Um, but I've never been a streaker. Yeah, it's except when you met Dwayne in the locker room that time. Yeah. Well, and that wasn't me. That was him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think y'all both streakers. Uh, so, 95, me and Dwayne had decided to run the Arkansas Traveler. And I... Really, I don't think I was ready for it, but we had already planned to go and everything. And so we went down there, and the gun goes off, and I was feeling froggy. And I took off in the lead. And I'm like, what are you doing? But anyway, I, I was like, I hadn't been running much, but even though I'd been running a lot of shorter runs, I was doing more speed. I was mm -hmm. doing faster. I was running faster runs. So the pace felt really slow to me, so I kind of took off, and I led the first 12 miles. And then Dwayne comes, of course, comes by me, and he's like, I was like, I was like, where you been? He goes, man, you went out too fast. And mm -hmm. I said, well, 
I was like, I got to get it while I can get it because I don't even know if I'm going to do this whole thing today. And, um, of course, Dwayne eased on away from me. You know, there's a lot of dirt road on that one. And I ended up hooking up with a guy named David Jones who mm -hmm. will be here tomorrow. Hollywood, right? Holly, I, yeah, I'm guilty of calling him Hollywood. Wait, is that not a, is that not, we're, we're not supposed to call him that? I like calling him Hollywood. Okay. I've been calling him Hollywood for many, many, many years. And the reason I call him Hollywood dates back to this Arkansas traveler. Okay. So after Dwayne passed <laughs> me, it kind of got warm during the day. It's October, but the sun had come out and it got up in the 70s and I was feeling a little bit peeny. And David Jones caught me at 40 miles. Well, Dwayne was already left me for dead. You know, he was already gone. And, um, Hollywood said, well, just run with me. And I'm like, I'll try. And sure enough, we would spend the next 60 miles together. Wow. And we were running and running and running. And, of course, Dwayne was staying ahead of us the whole time. Uh, I don't think we, we never ended up catching Dwayne. He actually barely finished ahead of us, like, six minutes, but we never saw him. Mm -hmm. We just were not seeing him. But here's how the Hollywoods came about on David Jones. I'll tell you some more about O'Day. He's a pretty amazing dude. Uh, that rascal, he his hair always looks great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looks like he's straight out of Hollywood. Right. We're running a hundred miler. It's middle of the night. You know, we can hear coyotes and stuff. The you know how Jeep roads can have water on both sides oh, yeah. where the where the Jeep tracks are. Mm -hmm. Well, we came up on a puddle like that, and what do you, you know? What do you think the middle hump is? can be a little slippery mm -hmm. in between the water. Absolutely. Well, David's feet came flying out from under him, and he landed right in one of those puddles. And I'm talking just mud and dirt went everywhere. Of course, I'm laughing my butt off. He had a bandana tied around his wrist. He whips that bandana off. The mud miraculously disappears within <laughs> seconds. His hair is still in place, and he's back running just like that. And I'm like... Holy moly, I've never seen anything like that. And he still looks like a million bucks. Yeah. I'm like, that's when Hollywood, that's when yeah. I started calling him Hollywood. Yeah. And, of course, Kathy uh, Youngren says that he doesn't like for me to call him Hollywood. Oh. And I've been calling him Hollywood since the mid-'90s. Uh, well, I think that I I ran into him with Dwayne on the Strolling Gym course. and I of think course. I think he called him Hollywood. Of course he did, because yeah. Dwayne was going to call him Hollywood, too. Right. You know, and so we did. I yeah. Mean, but... So Hollywood, to this, of course, he's very distraught over Dwayne. He'll be here tomorrow. Oh, yeah. He's coming down from Tennessee where he lives. But, oh, Hollywood is 68 years old right now. And he ran Tunnel Hill this past year, 1807. That blows my mind. American record, 65-69 age group by over an hour. Wow. But, but, yeah, Hollywood has spent a lot of time with Dwayne and Strolling Jim because... You told me something at recovery that I thought was hilarious about his mileage. Do you remember what you told me? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, since Hollywood is 68 years old, and now that I'm 54, I'm like, well, you know, Hollywood, I'd like to know a little bit about how you train for Tunnel Hill, because now that I'm older, I've had to cut my mileage back a little bit. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've had to cut my mileage back, too. He said, I never got more than 140 miles a week. <laughs> yeah, that is great. I thought I was going to fall out of my seat, sitting in my living room, talking to him on the phone. Yeah. Uh, the reason we were talking was because of Dwayne, of yeah. course. But um, 
Yeah, he said, yeah, I've had to cut my training back too. Only 140 miles a week, mm-hmm. 68 years I, old. Well, I, when I hear that, I have to think that it's a joke. He's not joking. I'm going to tell you why. I know Hollywood. I've known him for a very long time. You know, I've got 33 strolling gyms. I think he has 31. So, you know, he was at every one of Dwayne's strolling gyms, all 20 or 4 or 25, whatever they are. But he used to show me his running logs. And he would be like, because sometimes I would go up on Friday night. He used to have a farm in Tennessee. He doesn't have it anymore. He sold it. But it was close to the start of strolling gym. And we'd stay at that farm. Riddle stayed there with us before. And um, he said, Dink, you know why I know I'm ready for the race tomorrow? And I'd be like, why? He said, this right here. And he'd pull out that runner's log. He said, look here. And I'd be looking at it. And it was like 20 miles, 20 miles, 20 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles. 40 miles. And I'm like, holy moly, the miles. He said, that's why I know I'm going to be fine tomorrow because I know I did the homework. I know wow. I did the training. And he's still doing the training. Mm-hmm. He's 68 years old. He ran 1807 for 100 miles. Look at Tunnel Hill. It's yeah. pretty impressive. I think I think he mentioned Dwayne was at Tunnel Hill recently. I think, well, we'd have to go back and look, but I think Dwayne did the 50-mile yeah, I think he dropped back. Yeah. Because he said he ran some with Hollywood. Okay. Um, and but not when Hollywood did no. the 18 I think hours. it must have been the year before yeah. that or something. That but, sounds about right. Yeah, that's just crazy. But, um, you know, and then after I did Mountain, I started directing Mountain Menace. Dwayne won the very first one. Then the very following year, I was like, recover from the holidays will be simple to put on. I can go to the cross-country park, set up one aid station, and we can do loops. Mm-hmm. that three mile loop and of course Dwayne ran that uh, in 1995 he must have just jogged that because mm-hmm. he only ran a 456 that day looks like uh, huh. in 95 I, I think he must have just been taking it easy of course you never know he could have been sick it right. was a long time ago um, because he's still you know the next year he's third at Mountain Miss um, and then in 96 it looks like we started running the Mississippi 50 Okay. Uh, that's just the race that I ran this past weekend. Right. Uh, it was the 20-year anniversary of my course record that still holds down there, and I told the race director, Dennis, he's been trying to get me to come back to Mississippi, and I'm like, you know, the Alabama bad boys need to come back. And um, I said, i tell you what, I'll come down there on the 20th anniversary of my course record if it's still holding. And it was still holding, so that's why I was down in Mississippi this past weekend. But... It was funny because I had not run Mississippi 50 since 2003. That's a few years ago. Yeah. And, but I got out there and every time I do, you know, it's a 12 and a half mile loop there at the start. We had the first mile was dry. You hit that first creek and then you were soaked. It's horse trails, so they're muddy and wet. Oh, man. I was thinking I could break eight hours this year. And as soon as I hit that first water crossing, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to break eight hours. It's going to be too muddy and too wet. Right. Um, but the longer I ran the race, the more the course came back to me. Yeah. And, of course, Dwayne had passed away the day before. Right. So that was the only thing I could think about. I mean, I could not get anything out of my mind except Dwayne. And the nice thing was I got to spend a lot of time in the woods alone. And I could hear his voice oh, in yeah. the wind blowing. And it was bringing back memories of when we were down in Mississippi before on wetter days. And I was telling you earlier on our run, the creek got so high that it got to our chest and up to our neck by the fourth loop. And we were frustrated with the rocks getting in our shoes and stuff. And so Dwayne just said, forget it. 
I'm taking my shoes off, and he ran the last 12 and a half miles on a trail, barefooted. On a trail, barefooted. I was like, Dwayne, you are crazy. I was like, my feet, I couldn't take walking across that trail barefooted, much less running 12 and a half miles on it. He did it. And it looks like he ran, it looks like he ran 6.44 still, yeah. even running 12 and a half miles barefooted. I think I ran like a 6.30 that day, so I was probably a little ahead of him. Yeah. You know, so, some years he was ahead of me, some years I was headed down there. But um, Yeah, in my research of Mississippi 50, I see that he had the third fastest time with six hours and 46 seconds. So what was this? This was at Mississippi 50. He had six oh. He had six hours and 46 seconds. Right. And that six that was twenty years ago. Um, that was Carl Touchstones. That was in two thousand, correct? I, I didn't write the year down. It was two thousand. It was twenty years ago. It was the day the course record happened because he and I ran thirty seven and a half miles together, stride for stride. And it was a perfect day. You know, Carl Touchstone, who's the still is the Carl Touchstone Memorial Run, he had cancer. He was a local optometrist I think or eye doctor or no he was some type of doctor okay. I don't remember if it was eyes or orthodontist one of the two I can't remember it was a long time ago I remember Carl very well but uh, he was like this race is about y'all it's not about my cancer he says I feel fine y'all don't worry about me of course he would die three months later from cancer which happens and it was um, you know it was just it, it was a magical day the course was dry. I ran the entire Mississippi 50, and if you ask anybody that's run it in the last 20 years, they're probably not going to believe me. Dry feet for the entire 50 miles. That's what kind of day we had. We had no water. Mm-hmm. We had one little creek that we had to jump. And me and Dwayne went out, and we hit seven-minute miles, and we, it was like we were going to run that pace all day mm-hmm. long. And, um, you know, in the very end, of course, we were young. The, it, we got competitive, and it was like and Dwayne wanted to see who could run the fastest. Oh, yeah. And that day just happened to be my day, and I, I barely got ahead of him. I mean, five minutes and 50 miles is nothing. Nope. Uh, but I do wish he could have got under six hours with me that day. You know, I was 5.55 something, and he was five minutes back. That was the closest he ever came to breaking six. I wish he could have. At that me. distance period? At that distance period. That huh. was his all time PR for 50 miles, was six hours flat. I only broke six hours three times. I did it twice. I did it at Birmingham Track Club 50 mile in Birmingham. But that was on asphalt, right? On asphalt. And I did it at the national championships up in Pittsburgh. Uh, at, I ran 5.53 there. for, But it was a road race, and it was a national championship. Hilly roads. Um, but Mississippi Trail, there's no real hills there. It's flat. Okay. But it is trail. I mean, it's a horse trail, but we just got a perfect day. Um you know, good memories. Dwayne went back to Mississippi 50 and ran it several, several times and won it a bunch of times after that. I was looking at the all-time list, and I noticed some of our t- times are literally one second apart. Mm-hmm. It kind of blew me away. Yeah, I saw that several, in several yeah, spots. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, what In that Arkansas Traveler race I was telling you about with Hollywood, that was actually in 96, now that I'm sitting here looking at it, because Dwayne had already had a little experience. He ran it in 95. And I did not. Ah, a little so, course knowledge on you. He had a little course knowledge on I me. Mean, he knew what he was doing. And because he ran, he he ran 1835 that day at Arkansas Traveler. And me and Hollywood ran 1844. So we were nine minutes back. And he was fourth overall. And we, we were tied for fifth and sixth, I think. Um, but that was just crazy. Um, 
crazy times. Of course, 97 is when he ran that 349 at um, Mountain Mist. I'm sitting here scrolling, and I'm looking at stuff. Um, well, I think I have a couple that uh, that are interesting. Let's talk about it. Um, obviously, I was telling you about Ball State. I kind of look back at Ball State in the very first year of Ball State. I can't remember what year it was. It's been going on for so long. I don't, you know, I can remember it a long, long time ago. But the very first year, he was the sole finisher. So he was the winner and sole finisher. So he was the original, unless it's older than I think it is. It's been around a long time, uh, but I can't tell you how long. Okay. Uh, well, it's because it's old. Do you think it predates ultrasonic? It, I don't know. It, all right, is the results in ultrasonic? Uh-huh. Sure are. So usually what they'll do a lot of times is they'll still, I think. 2006? So I think Ball State was going on before then. Okay. The only reason I know that is because Laz used to change the course every year. Well, that's why it's the last annual. Ball it was State. the last annual because it was a completely right. different course. Isn't it? But now it's similar, isn't it? I, I don't. It's pretty kind of similar now. He used to make it completely weird. Um Man, so he was the sole finisher in 2006. 2006, yeah. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to do some research on that, to yeah. look at the, the dates and whatnot. But he, at one time, had the course record there. Um, in 2009, he ran, it's hard to look at it in hours, but it's 89 hours and 42 minutes. I think that wound up being like three days and maybe 18 hours or something like that, 19 hours. That's crazy. Anyway. He had the course record there at Ball State, and to date, that is still the fifth fastest that has been done. That's impressive. Um, yeah. When he started talking about doing Ball States and them, I'm like, going to do it on your own. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested in going that far. Right. My stomach doesn't like heat. It doesn't like long, long distances. And to this day, I have still not run more than 118 miles in a day in my life. Okay. I've never run a race further than 118 miles. Um, a 24-hour run. You know, Dwayne and I used to do some a lot of 24-hour races back in the old days. If you look at Ultra Sign Up, they're not even on here. Right. Uh, because a lot of those races just, it was a long time ago. Um, let's see here. I do see that was probably 1998 when he did the, it says Barkley Marathon's 40-miler. That was the year I went with him. Okay. Uh, you know, Dwayne was interested in that Barkley, and, of course, Cantrell, Laz, shamed me into going. Um, I didn't even train for it. I literally didn't train for it. I showed up at the Barton Marathons, and I ran the first loop with Dwayne and David Horton and some of those guys. And then the sec Dwayne kept going. You know, he was being competitive. I was too nervous about it. I took a shower. Yeah. That thing... And had to psych myself up to go out. And another reason I went out that second loop in the dark was a guy named Fred Pilon. He was the Ultra Marathon Magazine editor at the time. And he, he was like, come on, Nick, go with me. So I was like, okay. And I like to say, do you want to be out in those woods where the Barkley Marathons are at night alone? Not really. Um, so I went with Fred. Of course, we spent half the night lost. Right. I thought I was going to fall to my death off some waterfall. You know, you could hear water below, couldn't see a thing, crazy stuff. Um, but when I got through with that second loop at Barkley, I was like, I will never do that again. No way. But See, he was 18 hours and 49 minutes for the two loops. Mm -hmm. I was 23 hours and 
40 something minutes for mine. So see, he was five hours ahead of me. Yeah, I've got in my notes that he has the fourth fastest loop at Barkley. Wow. Uh, but they were all right in there around eight hours. He had a seven hours and 58 minutes at Barkley for a loop. Yeah, I don't know why he was so interested in the Barkley Marathon. Because it was hard. <laughs> uh, he loved it. I was always more, you know, I was just, man, there's no course markings. You've got to do all this studying. You have to do all these extra stuff. That I want to mark trail when I go to a trail race. I don't want to be trying to map my way and yeah. collect the books. I had all my pages on my two loops at Barkley, but I also made sure I stayed with people that knew what they were doing. They were a lot smarter than I was. Um, so we got the fourth fastest loop at Barkley. We've got the Vol State. The one that sticks in my head is that he's got the master record at Mountain Mist. And having done Mountain Mist several times, he's got a 405 19 at age 43. Going to be hard to beat. Um, I don't know if you noticed on Facebook the other day, I reposted a picture of Dwayne standing right here behind me. This was the background, that blue wall. I don't know if you saw the picture. I yeah. just posted. Yeah. He's got a shirt on that says Mountain Mist Trail Run 25-time finisher. Right. And underneath it, I put 25-time finisher nine times overall. Uh, he broke five hours 23 times. Uh, anybody that's run Mount Miss knows what that is, breaking five hours at Mount Miss. I got my 10th this year. That's pretty my impressive. Tenth time under five this yeah, year. Yeah, that's pretty impressive that you've got 10 sub fives. Um, but he had 23. Well, it's because I trained with him. I'm, I knew how probably, he did it. <laughs> probably did, you got some good teaching there. But yeah, yeah and I went through and I was looking. Uh, I had wrote an article for Ultra Running Magazine that would probably be in next month's issue about Mount Miss. And, of course, I had to write a lot about Dwayne. Absolutely. Of course, he was still alive at the moment, but I had to talk about a lot of the things he did. And I got detail about he won how many times he won Masters, how many times Grandmaster. Pretty impressive stats. You know, as a Master, between age 40 and 49, he only lost to one person. Mm -hmm. David Rent. David Rent. David Rent was the only guy that could beat him. Um, and David, I feel like, didn't run many races. He would focus on Mount Mist and nothing else. Where Duran was running 100 milers and doing lots of other things. Rent only wanted to do Mount Mist and it was still close. And Rent also had an advantage on Duane. He was younger. Mm. You know, a 49 year old is going to have a hard time beating someone that's 43. Mm -hmm. I know people don't realize that age is it's, it's a big difference. He told me. Big difference. He told me that 45 years old was when he really started seeing a difference. Yeah, well, I didn't. But you can't see it if you look at his no. results. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, but he, he felt something. Yeah, I think he thought 45 was the age where he started seeing a difference. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, so we've been talking about Dwayne, and um, again, I'm looking at a lot of results. Uh, the Laurel Valley 35 miler. We went to that. I went with him there. Of course. Um, I think he got Giardia. At Laurel Valley. Yeah, because we that's 35 miles point to point in the land of deliverance where there are no aid stations. Right. We had we were totally dependent on like creek crossings and filling up our bottles and it was the middle of the summer. You know, I was a one and done on Laurel Valley. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard Dwayne's story about Mike Amelia from Laurel Valley? No, I don't think I have. Let's hear it. So um, 
Mike ran it. I think he may have actually traveled there with Dwayne a couple of times. Um, and Mike got, he got, he's out there on the course and he said that periodically he would hear music and he started looking around trying to figure out where the music was coming from. And he finally came up on some guys and he was like, guys, did y'all hear this music? And they're like, no, I don't, you're crazy. So he went a little bit further and he finally figured out that it was his headphones. He had dropped them down around his neck and he was out there going crazy because he was hearing music. Michael Millia. But it's funny to hear Dwayne tell us. You do story. realize Michael Millia is one of Dwayne's biggest fans. Oh, yeah. He was. Absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I can remember Mike coming down here to Fleet Feet and what's Dwayne's shoes? What, are, what shoes he wearing? Yeah. What's it? Sign me up. I yeah. want those. I yeah. want those. Yeah. 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 That's the way he was forever. Um, we were talking a little bit about that National 24 Hour Championship in uh, September 2000. And Dwayne, me and him went out. We, we had. We were ambitious. We were thinking we were going to run like 120, 130. We wanted big mileage. Of course, he ended up with 87, and I was somehow I got ahead of him. I had like 93, I think. But he was like, I was like, if you quit, I'll quit. Yeah. And then we went to the hotel and took us a nap. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, that's the nice thing about 24 hours. Oh, yeah. You still count as a finisher in those. Yeah, I took a nap here, mine. Um, but it looks like he went on a roll after that and won several races in a row. Pine Mountain, Mount Miss, Oak Mountain, Mississippi Trail, 50. Uh, just one right after the other. He was winning a lot of races. Um, let's, let's talk about, um, let's see. We've been talking a lot about his running. We talked about pretty much his, his fast times. The thing that I have is I have the last five years we went out and did a hundred miler in different mm. spots. Mm. So that was that was kind of interesting. So in, in fifteen he got me to Penhody for the first time. Uh, he took you to Penhody one hundred? He did, yeah. You no, know, that was my last hundred mile I finished with Penhody. That's a tough one. Yeah. But I love those trails there. Yeah, I think that's probably when we bonded because afterwards I was wrecked. Absolutely wrecked. And Dwayne had to carry me to the bathroom. Mm. Like he had to prop me up in front of the urinal. That's how dead I was. Mm. So, so then we, we talked about Massanutten in 16, and then we went out to Wasatch in 17 out in Utah. So, um, well, let's fast forward to like the current days. Um, Wasatch, he, of course, he's telling me I need to do that one. I actually tried to get in that race once, and I had no luck getting in, but he said that one's a beast. That one is awesome. Uh, everybody everybody that does hundreds needs to do Wasatch. And he told me that less than two weeks ago. I think need to do that. as far as finish areas go, I don't think you do it best. Mountain Mist has got an awesome finish. Um, well, that's nice to hear. Wasatch may have been my second favorite, but I can see if it's a messy day, that would not be fun because mm-hmm. you're in an open field. It's really beautiful having the Rocky Mountains in the background. But that oh. was a great, great run. So, uh, we've been talking about running and everything about Dwayne, but one thing we haven't talked about is the last year. So, um, let's go back to, well, y'all, 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 started, y'all started running together about 10 years ago, and I got to where, like, every time I saw Dwayne, y'all were out running. Absolutely. And even, like, I was trying to get ready for Shrill and Jim just in recent years here, and um, I was like, 
well, you want to run up to the top of Montesano? I need to get ready for Montesano. He goes, yeah. He said, you mind if Brett comes along? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't that. care. I was like, bring him on. Let's go. I mean. Yeah, we ran up to Burt that day. That's right. We yeah. ran from downtown Huntsville. I think I picked y'all up somewhere in Blossomwood. Yeah. We went up Mount Wood and straight up Montesano to Burt Museum and back down. So that was a good 20-mile run right there. But um, so Dwayne, I feel like he had figured out how to do hundreds. Um, he had really gotten into doing the hundreds and. Then he goes, when me and you ran today and we were talking, let's talk about what we were talking about when you said that he ran, the races he ran this past fall. Oh, yeah. So we both got into Barkley Fall Classic. Um, and we kind of had to build up over the, over the summer getting ready for Barkley Fall Classic. But two weeks after Barkley Fall Classic, we were planning to get our qualifier for the year. And that was Grindstone 100. Uh, it's a dual qualifier, so there's lots of gain. Uh, Twenty-three thousand gain on that. One. You can get into it's a hard rock qualifier and it's a western qualifier. So I think we were on a cycle where we would qualify for western one year, and then we would do a harder hundred and qualify for western and hard rock. Um, so we were both trying to get into hard rock, both trying to get into western, and uh, he beat me to both. So mm. he got into hard rock in eighteen. And then he got into Western in 19, and I'm going to Western this year. Yeah. Uh, but we both drove up to Frozen Head and did uh, Barkley Fall Classic, uh, my first DNF. And uh, only, right? First and only DNF. Um, I think I just let poor nutrition and the thought of doing a 100-miler in two weeks get in my mm. head. Um, but, yeah, he had a good one. I think he finished just ahead or just behind Youngren. Uh, and that was just this past September. That was September. I want to say eighteenth, yeah, somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and then you know we. Do you think he was sick yet? Oh man. Um, let's see. We stayed. We stayed in the same hotel room, and I want to think it was that race where you know he normally didn't take any kind of anti-inflammatories. But I think I remember he had a headache, and I had taken some ibuprofen, and he said, hey, can I borrow some of your ibuprofen? And I said, did you not just take something? And he said, oh, yeah, I did. Hmm. So then the next morning, he, he took my ibuprofen, and uh, we went on and did the race. But that race, um, at the start, uh, we were going to go out together, um, and I can remember him telling me that, and within that first mile before he even hit the trail, he said that something didn't feel right. His heart rate seemed like it ramped up really quickly. And um, so I just kind of eased on out and, you know, he passed me on Radgall. So, you know, yeah. I really didn't think much about it. Right. Yeah. Obviously, he passed you. Yeah. Um, but then fast forward, we didn't do a whole lot of training in between. Um, Barkley Fall Classic in Grindstone. So there was only two weeks later was, that you would go to Grindstone. That's right. In Virginia. That's right. And I think we kind of took it as a taper. You know, we, we had done all the training that we were going to do, and we were just kind of recovering and trying to get ready to, to do something big. Um, we went up separate. So he actually flew into Staunton, Virginia. Stanton. Staunton. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. wherever. Um, he flew in, and, and me and my family drove up. So we drove up, and uh, we stayed in the same hotel. 
And uh, we hung out before. That that race is is unique because it's a six p six p.m. start. So right. that that will get in your head big time. Ronnie said he liked it. Is what he told me. He said he liked that six p.m. Start. He's crazy then because. <laughs> You know, you get up like normal. You get up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, and you know, I need to be resting right now. You got all day to rest. And, you know, the kids were around, and we had all kinds of stuff to do, and we didn't sleep a wink. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, we show up at 6 p.m., and time for the race, and we're exhausted. It's the first race, first hundred I've done where I got really, really sleepy. Mm. I know that feeling, though. About 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, you've been sleepy driving down the road, and you just, like, I've got to pull over or I'm going to wreck this thing. Well, it's different when you feel that way when you're running. Well, you know, I laid down on the side of the trail at Western States and took a 20-minute nap before. I think I fell asleep running. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, um, I think for just a brief second, I think I fell asleep. It was that odd start, probably. Yeah. But, you know, the sun came up, and then you come back to life. it's fine. Yeah, it's crazy. sun brings you back to life. But the... Grindstone is an out and back. Um, you start in Virginia, and you actually, I think the turnaround point is actually in West Virginia. I think that's what I heard. So there's a aid station there at the turnaround, and then you kind of head back up some roads before you hit the trails again. And somewhere after the turnaround, um, he's coming down the hill, I'm going up, and we meet. And I can remember um, it was kind of a, it was kind of a special moment because the first thing that we did is we just gave each other a big hug. He looked really rough. Like, it was windy and cold, and uh, his face looked like it was swollen. His lips were swollen for sure, um, and his nose was bleeding. And when I left him, he didn't have his cell phone. Usually we'll take our cell phones when we're doing these hundreds so that we have a way to get in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, how am I going to get in touch with you? He said, you're not. <laughs> so, you did know, he, he, he did. Yeah. So then we're, we finish up. Or I guess I finished. I was a couple hours ahead of him at this one. I think I did 28 hours and some change. Um, and uh, my wife and the kids were in the car. I actually went back to the car and took a nap. And then something in my spirit woke me up and I I got to go check on the land. So I went, and I found Clark Zeeland, who's the race, race director. director. I know Clark well. And uh, I said, have y'all seen Dwayne yet? And he said, no, I haven't seen him yet. And I happened to turn around, and, you know, Dwayne has this iconic gate. You know it from a mile away. Oh, yeah. Um, so I see him coming. I'm like, oh, no need to check anymore. I see him. He's coming. So, you know, he comes across the finish line, and he sits down for just a second. We're talking. I'm thinking, he's fine. He later told me that he threw up on the little, you have to run around the boys' camp, um, camp there, and uh, he was not feeling well. But but that's still kind of throwing up in a hundred miler. Nothing unusual. That's kind of normal. Even the the bloody noses. I mean, anytime it got a little dry, you know, we could be training in Blossomwood, and we'll we had you know there he lived over off Drake, and I live in Blossomwood, so we would have to run about a mile and a half, but we would meet, and occasionally I'd see him. And I'm like, hey, man, your your nose is bleeding. And he just wipe it off and keep going. So a nosebleed wasn't even unusual. Um, so, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was, it was a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, so he finished the race in 32 hours. 32 hours. And, it, and I remember him coming back and going, yeah, it took me 32 hours. You know, can't always have a great day, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, but you finished. Right. Um, you know, and I know nothing about the course except it had a lot of gain. Yeah. 3,000. And I'm like, we're at that age now. We're in our 50s. Who cares? Yeah. What the time was. You finished. So and that's how I left it. Right there. Yeah. You finished. So the funny part afterwards was, you know, we, we all climb up in my car and we go back to the hotel. He had to check out of his. So we had a room because my wife and the kids stayed. And uh, we're like, you just need to pile up in the in the room with us. And we'll, he said, no, I think I'll take a shower and then I'll go sleep down in the lobby. And we're like, are you crazy? In the lobby. So we had two, two queen-size beds and my wife and the big kids pile up in one. And I pile up in the other one, and I got the baby between us. So Ezra's four years old. And uh, Dwayne's getting out, and uh, we had decided that me and Ezra and Dwayne were going to sleep in the other bed. And as he was getting in the bed with me, he, Ezra looked at me, and he said, Dad, this is weird. <laughs> we got a couple hours sleep, and then we drove to D.C. Dude, after 100 miles, do you care where you're no, sleeping? Absolutely not. No. You I just want a bed. You just want to go to sleep. Maybe, maybe get clean. Showers are maybe, nice. Maybe eat if you feel like it. If you can. And then you want desperately to take a nap. Sleep, man. That's it's what I want the most. Yeah. That's what I want the most. So then what? We got up the next morning and drove to D.C. And that's where we parted ways. Um, we actually went to Union Station and took a train to New York City. He went on a work trip to New York. Came back, went to Disney World with his girls. For fall break. They went to Disney World. He was doing some complaining a little bit on that trip. Yep, that's right. And then we got back, and, uh, you know, I was checking on him. Just didn't really seem to be recovering. And then I saw you at Little Rosie's, one of Dwayne's favorite places to eat. Yep. This was late October, and you said, hey, you need to check on Dwayne. Yep. I remember that vividly. I remember. That's when we started our texting. Yep. Me and Dwayne started texting from there. Yep. About the, we thought he might have the... Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Correct. He had Which is fever. weird because he had he had indications that he did have, in fact, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So I think he had that and something else. Uh, so that kind of sent them on a wild goose chase to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And again, I was texting him and then all of a sudden it was early November and I sent him a text, and you know what I said? I said, are you sick or what, man? Yeah. That was my text to him. Yeah. No reply. Yeah. No reply. It was bad. 10 o'clock at night, my phone's ringing. I look down, Dwayne Satterfield. And I'm like, Dwayne is calling me on an odd night. I was like, well, you know what I first thought? I hadn't talked to Dwayne in a while. Yeah. You know, in the world of text now, how often do you pick up the phone and talk to somebody? Right. You don't. I was like, well, Dwayne just wants to talk to me because we hadn't talked in a few weeks. We need to catch up. Hey, Dick, Dwayne. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? I said, are you sick or what? He goes, you ain't going to believe this. He said, man, I am in ICU at Huntsville Hospital. Uh-huh. And he faded away. Yeah. He faded away. And I'm like, holy moly. And then all of a sudden, Pete, this is Kara. She goes, we're at Huntsville Hospital. I said, yeah, Dwayne just told me. And she started, my mind was racing so much at that moment that I, I don't remember what she told me because yeah. my mind just was racing. So what do you think I did the very next day? Went to see him, yeah. I went straight to the hospital. Yeah. I walked, and of course, Isabel was in the hall. I think um, maybe one of his other daughters was in route. Tate was yeah. in route. 
and Kara was in the hall. And of course, I'm standing there, and um, I'm like, "Can I go in and see him?" And Kara's like, "Yeah, you can go in." Yeah. Um, so I go in, and Dwayne is laying there. And of course, his eyes are closed. And um, I go in there, and I said, "Dwayne stink." His eyes popped open. He goes, "Man, I'm so glad you're here." Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, when I first saw him, I thought, "This is horrible. He uh-huh. looks absolutely horrible." He goes, "Man." He goes, I just had a chemo treatment yesterday or whatever. He said, he said that stuff is kicking my butt. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was his exact words. He goes, I feel like I'm at the 70-mile point of a 100-mile race. He's like, it's kicking my butt. And I, I, I was just still, my mind was racing on what was going on. You know, this was kind of early. It was November. And, you know, I don't even remember what we talked about. I'm... Mm-hmm. We talked about some running things here and there. I remember holding his hand a little bit, and I don't even remember how long I stayed. And then I was like, well, I love you. And I said, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. And then I left. And, of course, talk, I stayed out in the hall for a little while, talked to Kara and the girls and whatnot. And then he, at the time, he would text me then. He was still texting a lot then. He would just text from the hospital bed or whatever, but... It seemed like you probably might know better than I because I had decided that this, A, they wanted to keep it on the down low. Mm-hmm. Kara told me, don't post it on Facebook. Right. Um, don't, don't want it. Dwayne didn't want it plastered all over Facebook. So we really weren't talking about it much. Um, I decided that going to see him every other week was probably enough. And so, and if I missed a week, it wasn't the end of the world because this, this was November. Right. Um, and then I, it got to where I was going on Saturday afternoons. Like I'd run a race or something or work a race or whatever. And then I would head to the hospital and it, I feel like I was very lucky because every time I show up at the hospital, no one was there except Dwayne. Yeah. And it seemed like they always had him in a different room. I would go to the front desk, say, what room? And it would always be like a two rooms off from the previous time or whatever. What was the room numbers he was always in? It was oh, man, they were, he was, 40, the, it was, the, so the oncology floor is the 17th floor. It was the seventh, yeah, and, but it was, or the, the seventh floor. I can't remember, the uh, yeah, seventh, but I can't remember the numbers, but it was mm-hmm. always really close to each other, and I'm like, yeah. well, that's just too off of what it was last time, so right. I would always check, because he was always in a different room, but also, I, one of the days, I decided to take Skyler up there. Yeah. I said, hey, I'm coming up today. I didn't tell him Skyler was going to be with me. My thinking was Skyler would cheer him up. Um, I think this was in February, uh, January or February. Yeah. Uh, we had decided, I decided I was going to take Skyler. He got his run in that morning. Kind of a rainy day. Not that we haven't had any rainy days lately. Right. It was just a rainy, gloomy day. We show up. No one's there. And, of course, I walk in and I said, Ryan, I got a special visitor today. And it's Skyler. And, of course, I think he did light up a little bit. I mean, what at our age, a child will light you uh-huh. up. Even though Skyler's 18, he's my baby. You know, right. He's my youngest one. Um, but he did light up. And, of course, what do you think we sat around and talked about? You talked about running. Talk about running. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I just I enjoyed watching him visit with Skyler. And I knew that would probably be the only visit I would take Skyler up there. And um, it was good. It was special. And yeah. I was very thankful to have it. Um how often were you going up? Uh, it was... In the early days. 
In the early days, it was daily. Um, there was a there was a period of time when it was. It would be a couple days, you know, just work would be crazy, or I would be in contact with Kara, and just wasn't a good day. So. Right. Uh, I tried to be as sensitive as I could. And I was and trying to do the same. That's to, where my every other week kind yeah. of thing came from. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, it was, I think it was very comforting for them to have us around and to know that we cared. And um, I don't know, it was, it was a delicate balance of wanting to be present, but also wanting to give them some time because... Um, I, I kind of joked with him before he actually got admitted to the hospital. We were we were eating at Little Rosie's, and we were standing. I vividly remember this. We were standing by the Coke machine just as we walked out, and I looked at him and I said, "Dwayne, you're not dying, are you?" And uh, you know, this was just the candid kind of relationship that we had. And he said, "Man, I hope not." Mm. And uh, you know that. Sticks, sticks with you, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, you know, you never know. You never really know what's going on. You know. But that is definitely not what I thought was going on. Yeah. And that was when? Um, so the last time I saw him at home before he went to the hospital was Halloween because we took our kids over there. Right. For trick-or-treating. For trick-or-treating. And uh, after we trick-or-treated, we actually went to Walton's and we ate dinner. And I can remember that night, he just, he didn't have an appetite. When did he know that he had cancer? Um, Because this is something we never talked about. Yeah, I think it was sometime around that point. So he, you know, he went to, uh, he went to his family. Went to Christian. Yep. And then, you know, he got referred to an infectious disease specialist. And after he did that, they said, this is not any kind of infection. You don't have Rocky Mountain's body fever. Somehow, he got lined up to have an MRI. And I think after he had the MRI results read is when they knew that he had some lesions on his spine. And that's what they thought. They thought he had. Um, when he got admitted, I think it was the next day, the day after Halloween, he, uh, he wound up passing out that night. He told me he passed out. That's and what landed him in the hospital. That's right. Um, it was it was a couple of days before they figured out exactly where it started. You know, they thought that it was leukemia, maybe, uh, maybe multiple myeloma, or lymphoma. And I guess they somewhere along the way he had a bone biopsy done of his hip. So I guess when they looked at it under microscope, it didn't look like he needed three of them. So it was a couple of days. They he had some chest congestion congestion. Uh, they did an x-ray, which led to an echo, and that's when they found the heart tumor, and then it all made sense. Yeah, and he, he, he did, even though he spent a lot of time in the hospital, he did get to go home for a couple of days where he went out for a walk. He told me, he said, and he's even on his Strava. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got to do what I got to do or whatever, but he had gone out and walked a little bit. He told me that he, in his mind, that he could still do Mountain Mist. Oh, yeah. That's what... That's what he was dri- driving him to go walking. Oh, yeah. He's like, I bet I can walk Mountain Mist and make the cutoffs. And, of course, then he landed back in the hospital. And he said after he went back in the hospital, he said he knew there was no way he was going to be able to do Mountain Mist. Right. He just um, continued to get weaker and weaker. And uh, Yeah. He was, you know, and uh, we, we talked about it on our run this morning. Um, I just, I was a little in disbelief, but I felt like 
every time I'd go see him, I would think, I think he's going to get better. Yeah. I think if anybody can beat this, it's going to be Dwayne. Um, and I, my mentality was that the entire time up until the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I I didn't want to, you know, I did like I said, I didn't want to be too invasive. So I was trying to give them their space, their family. But um, at the same time, I'm like, well, me and Dwayne's been friends for 32 years mm-hmm. plus. Right. Um, I'm like, you know, he's... You know, we might be a little even more than just a friend. I'm like, we, you know, it's just an assumption, you know, kind of like a family member. You right. just, it's just something you just assume. But I started, my mind started thinking, what can I do? What can I do? And so I started texting Kara. And I don't even remember how I got her phone number because I don't even think I had her phone number. I got it from Suzanne or something. I don't know. But um, at first, I almost felt like she probably thought, what did what is he doing? Because I'm like, I can come over. I can come pick up tree limbs out of your yard. Because I knew we've been having all this rain. And yep. I said, tell me what you want me to do. How can I help? And, of course, she's like, we're fine. Yep. We're fine. We're fine. So then I was like, I'm thinking about making my gumbo. I mean, I'll make some good gumbo. Mm-hmm. I said, how about I, I bring some gumbo over to the house? Carol Plus. How about Thursday night? And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to do something special for Dwayne. And um, so, you know, I left work that day. I'd gone and got all the ingredients because she goes, I know making gumbo is an investment. You can't just make gumbo. It's an investment of time. I'm like, yeah, it usually takes me about three hours to make it. Um, But I've been making it for a long time. I've got my roux. It works perfect every time. I'm like, I can do it. I said, I want to do it. She said, are you sure this is not trouble? I said, I want to do it. So I was, I was borderline giddy. I'm making gumbo here for the Satterfield family. Right. And um, I get it, and I make it, and I fill up the crock pot, and I have it on getting good and hot. And, you know, of course, put the shrimp in last. Right? Did that right before I left. And I got over there, and um, Dwayne's in his recliner. So he's home. And he hasn't been home long by this time. Yeah. He, they had, he, he told me, he's like, the girls are a little mad at me. He said, because I'm not doing any more chemo treatments. Yeah. And he said, but he said, if I do another chemo treatment, it's going to kill me. That's what the doctor said. And so he, he was, you know, of course, he told me many times, I think I would do anything I can to get well. He said, I would do a heart transplant, but they said it would probably kill me. Right. I will do, I would go to MD Anderson in Houston, but he said, There's, it's just not going to do any good. He said, um, I'm just going to keep fighting and doing the best I can. He said, girls are mad at me, but, and of course, Kara said, but now we have this time. Yeah. We have this time now. And it made me happy to see Kara there. The girls were busy on their phones and oh, yeah. putting together puzzles or doing something. They were busy doing stuff. Yeah, their uh, their big thing was Lego sets. They put some, I heard they, about the Legos. They built some pretty impressive Lego sets. Which cracks me up because that's what Skylar did as a child. Oh, yeah. Whenever we went on trips to the Smokies just to get away we would buy the biggest Lego set we could find, and Skyler would spend the entire day. We just wanted to relax, but you got to keep a kid busy. So uh, he would do the same thing. He would build these tremendous Lego things. But uh, anyway, um, made the gumbo and everything, and uh, you know, Dwayne was, you know, I had to talk about running like always, and um, he go, he was like, gumbo's comfort food, gumbo's comfort food, and I was like, yeah, I said, I think you're gonna like it, and. Uh, 
He goes, did you, did you put any shrimp in it? You know, and I was like, well, yeah. I said, I just put it in there. He goes, Isabel is allergic to shellfish. She can't have any. And I was like, man, I wish y'all had told me. He goes, it don't matter. He goes, she'll be all right. He goes, you, you, need, you wasn't making it for her anyway. Right. And I'm like, you were right. I was like, I'm, I was making that for Dwayne and uh, Kara, of course. Uh, but uh, it was kind of funny. But he really enjoyed the, the food. So I was like, Kara, we have a lot of events and stuff at the store. I have lots of crock pots. I said, I've got several. And she probably looked at me like I was weird or something. But I said, you keep that one. I said, and I'll make something else. And we'll just swap crock pots. Oh, nice. I said, you just tell me when you want it. I said, I'll make some pretty good white chili. And, of course, Dwayne started going, Duffy's Deli, Duffy's Deli. Because, you know, we used to go to Duffy's out in Mount Mist every year and eat the white chili for many, many years. But uh, I said, how about I make some white chili? She goes, how about Monday night? I said, done. That was my word. I said, done. I said, it's done. I said, I've got a good, easy recipe. I use the rotisserie chicken. And the hardest part is just pulling all the meat off the rotisserie chicken and chopping it up. That's the hardest part about making that. So it's pretty easy. Um, and, of course, I show up with the white chili, and she's got the other ones. Just swap out. Plug up. Plug that one up. I bring them crackers, and she said, don't forget the cheese. You know, got to have cheese for the white chili. And uh, so, of course, Dwayne started talking about how good that white, that gumbo was. And he's like, I want that gumbo again. Huh. I mean, he, had, he said, I want that gumbo again. Uh, well, that night I took over the white chili. Um, this was the Monday night before he died. This was four days before he passed okay. away. Um, we, I was, it was another rainy night. Um, I got there. And he said, I was like, where are the girls? He's like, well... They took off and went to Little Roses. They wanted some chips and salsa. They, 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 they were, they're going to eat the white chili, but they want they. I think they just wanted to get out of the house um, because they're they're like shut-ins. I mean, they're not leaving that house as long as Dwayne's been there. And um, so, you know, all these visits I've been having with Dwayne, I have been perfectly keeping myself together. Not no crying, no. No talking about doom, gloom. No talking about his sickness. Nothing. And the girls were there. It was quiet. Kara was there. And next thing I know, Kara kind of had vanished. It was just me and Dwayne. And that's when I started telling him, you know, you know, I was like, Dwayne, I don't think I've told you how sorry and how bad I feel that you're having to go through this. And that's when... You know, and I, of course, I was holding his hand, and just it gave me an opportunity to tell him how much I cared about him. Yeah. And we were both just sobbing. Uh, we, you know, I said, I don't know what I can do. He said, You're doing it. Mm -hmm. He said, You're doing it. And it's just something that is going to live with me forever. Um, it was just an incredible moment. And I knew at that moment that was going to be our last time together. Yeah. I knew it was. And, that's why when he couldn't speak come Thursday, I, I wasn't going to go down there. I wanted Monday night to be our last time together. Um, but it was just, he just, he said he had bad luck. And, you know, he said, like I told you earlier, he did not care. He was not worried about dying. He was not scared to die. And that, but he hated seeing what he was doing to me, yeah. his family, and his friends. And, I tell you what, though, that will live with me forever. That's one of the most special times in my entire life. Yeah. And I've been here 54 years, so 
I, I've got that with me forever, and, and it's not going to go away. Um, you know, we talked about your last time with him. Yeah. I feel like I had several last times with him. Um, because you didn't know when it was going to be, really. No, no. Uh, it was, let's see, the Saturday of the marathon trials. I went over there, and he had recorded it. Um, so I asked him if he had watched it, and he said that he, he had tried to, but nobody in the house really really wanted to watch it. So I said, well, we'll, we'll flip it on, and we'll watch a little bit of it. So, you know, we kind of talked about it. And so he's got it recorded. I haven't seen any of it myself. Oh, are you serious? I'm serious. I was running Mount Chiha that day. That's right. Yeah, so we kind of had a, t- a talk about all this new carbon plate technology, and, you know, he's a hardcore guy. So I wanted to see what he thought about it. He really didn't have much to say about it. Um, but I don't know. We, we talked about that. Let's see, that was Saturday. And then I went to see him the following Tuesday. And uh, that was that was probably the last time that we got to really have a, a talk. My wife went with me. And uh, he uh, he was really close to all of us. I mean, there was not a birthday party that we had for the kids that he wasn't there. Um, you know, he was he was much more than a runner to me. He was much more than a training partner. Um, he was a lot of things to a lot of people. You he know, was. you know, he was an ordained minister. I don't think people realize that he was or licensed. What do you call it? Well, I don't. It, it, he was licensed. So Alan over here, you know, he married my son yeah. and his wife. So, so the, the reason, reason I kind of hesitate on saying he was an ordained minister, the state of Alabama doesn't really require a whole lot. They don't require a whole lot. Yeah. But you know good and well, he preached a lot. Yeah, he did. I, I told his daughter today that I felt like I pretty much every time we went to run and it was just the two of us, I felt like we were in church. It yeah. wasn't a preachy type of church, but it was the kind of church that filled you with love and energy. I can remember back in the old days... Uh, going and seeing Dwayne preach at a church. Oh, yeah? Yes, at Revivals. Really? Yes. I would have loved to have seen You would have loved that. This was in the 90s. A little country church somewhere around Jackson County or somewhere. He was like, you should come watch me preach sometime. Yeah. And I went to Revivals, and Dwayne was the preacher. Yeah. So Behind the pulpit. You, you, were you at his wedding, Takara? Do you know that I married them? No, and I'm going to tell you why I was <laughs> You know why I was there. I, I, I got a pass. Yeah. Running JFK 50 miles. Oh, there you go. This is the day of JFK. And, of course, Dwayne went to JFK with me one year. Yeah. Maybe you'll have to go run JFK. I would love to. Yeah. Maybe you should go run it this year. Uh, let's go. You know, I've run it 11 times, and I'm planning to go back. Uh, but that's why I wasn't at Kara's wedding. And, you know, I didn't really know Kara that well. Yeah. I know we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to know Kara. I, of course, I knew her, but... Because she's married to Dwayne. Right. They were only married for how long? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. Three years? I want to say it's three years. Um, you know, in three years out of my last 33 years, she's still pretty new to me. Yeah, so they actually had their wedding anniversary while he was in the hospital. Wow. I think they had their 30 Well, they had to spend a lot of things in the hospital. Uh-huh. Christmas. Yeah. Did they not spend Christmas in the hospital? They did. All the kids came in and piled in there. Um, yeah. yeah, they... Uh, I did... I did take get a picture with Dwayne. Um, I guess I don't know uh, about thirteen days before he passed away. Yeah, we decided he was doing really good thirteen days out. Yeah, and he looked good. Again, I would get that false hope that he was going to get better, and we decided to take some pictures. And um, 
Of course, I told you I persuaded Laz to come down yep. from War Trace. And I, me and Laz, were, we started messaging right after I found out Dwayne was sick, and he was heartbroken. I mean, he was right. heartbroken. And Laz told me, he goes, there's only one name on the list of the Barking Marathons that I care that's going to show up at the starting line. There's only one name. Huh. It's Dwayne Satterfield. He said, I don't care who else is there. He said, there's just one name that I want at that starting line every year. It's Dwayne Satterfield. And I said, why don't you come down here and see him? And he's like, really? Question mark? You know, yeah. we're messaging. Yeah. And, uh, I said, yeah. So I was over at Dwayne's house. I'm saying, hey, Dwayne, what would you think about Laz coming down here? He said, tell him come on. And so, long story short, Laz made it happen. He came down, yeah. went to Dwayne's house, and, of course, I had to take him to Walton's stable. Yeah. And you know, you know when I, I said, I said, he said, why, he said, why don't we go to supper afterwards? I said, all right, let's go. I said, I said, we got a thing going on at the store, but they can, well, I'll, I'll tend to that after we eat. We'll eat an early dinner because he's coming kind of early in the day. Um, he goes, only got one question. Do they have meat? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, they got catfish. Yeah. I said, they got whatever you it's want. It's comfort food. I was like, it's Walton's table. I said, yeah. I think you'll like it. And of course, he loved it. And of course, but even me and Dwayne actually talked about that on that Monday night about last going to uh, Walton's table and getting to eat um, there. And I think I think Dwayne liked eating there too, did he? Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Southern cooking there. You just reminded me that one time while he was between hospital stays, we actually took him out and had little Rosies. And I'm aware of that. He told me that. Yeah. Um, that was a very short uh, period of time. It was. It was. Uh, we just shot the gap on that. We I don't know if people realized that how much he liked Little Rosie's because I know every time I went over there, y'all were there. Oh yeah. Every time I walk in, I'd be oh, there's Brett playing <laughs> over there and there's in their usual seat. Yeah. Like y'all assigned the seat yep. of Little Rosie's. Uh, uh, that all started way back at some cross country runs, mm-hmm. you know, on Tuesday nights. But uh, great, great things. You know, I hate that. Um, you know. I feel, still feel like Dwayne was too young. Oh, yeah. 55 is just not that old. It used to seem old to me when I was young, but now 55 is my next birthday. I'll be 55. You know, me and Dwayne were exactly a year apart. We were both born in June, um, and he was always exactly. We were we were the same age for two months, or two weeks, and then yep. he would have a birthday, and he'd get a year older than me in two weeks. <laughs> but uh, well, it was, it was, it was um, I don't know. I think he had quality life. Uh, I think he did everything right. Um, yeah, he was. We're gonna miss him. He was full of faith too. So I mean, I think tons of faith. W- when you have people in your life that are full of faith, and something like this happens, it just—it's oh, so much more comfortable. You know, I, I can't question. I don't want to question it because I feel like there's—he's got another plan. Uh, oh yeah. It's not a. It's something we're not supposed to understand. You know, everybody thinks they understand, but they do not. I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah. This is good evidence right here that you don't know mm-hmm. why. You don't know. Um, but tomorrow we'll, we'll be having a service at the Wilbur Baptist Church, visitation 12 to 2. Um, of course, you and I are pallbearers. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be doing the eulogy. Yeah. It's going to be a rough day. That's going to be heavy. It's going to be a rough day. Um, I... You know, I know it's going to be hard on me tomorrow, but I'm hoping that when we get to the celebration of life at Monte Santo Lodge tomorrow night, that's like six to nine or something. 
five to nine, five thirty. I don't know what the time is. It's tomorrow night. Yeah. But I did think it was pretty cool. Kara wants people to wear a run T-shirt from a race that they were with Dwayne at. Or buckle. Or both. I'm thinking both, I'm going to yeah. wear a shirt and a buckle. Yeah. And um, I think that's going to make things better. What's going to hurt is seeing the pictures is what I've noticed is looking at pictures has really been hurting me a lot um, this week. This seeing pictures is just painful. It's yeah. just painful, painful, painful. Um, and then, of course, we got to lay him to rest on Friday, which is it's going to be rough. But, um, you know, we all are going to reach that point someday. Uh, yep. I just still think it was a little early for Dwayne. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing that has been giving me comfort is that you could really go your whole life without meeting somebody like Dwayne. You're correct. Um, it was blessed to have any time at all with him. I agree. Um, so. Um, but this podcast today was all about Dwayne. And um, hopefully we'll see everybody tomorrow. I think there's going to be a good turnout at the, at the service. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. But I don't think. I hope they have a bunch of pages in the sign book, in the sign in book. I hope they have a lot of pages, and I know there's this shortage on uh, tissues and <laughs> toilet paper and all this other stuff. But I, so I maybe bring a handkerchief. We may need some of that stuff tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but thanks, Brett, for yeah. coming on today. You bet. It was an honor. We'll always remember Dwayne. I'm going to make sure Mount Mist always remembers Dwayne. And, you know, I've got some ideas in the future, and we talked about some things on our run today. We're going to do some things that's going to – uh, keep Dwayne permanent, and, and he'll always be in our hearts. But uh, we'll, we got some other things we're going to do. We're going to be working on it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. You guys know uh, I was raised by my grandparents. They taught me a lot about strength and character, and and, and love, and even humor. I can remember as a young teenager, my grandfather. Uh, he was an uneducated farmer, but he'd tell me these jokes. He'd say, uh, I think one of them was like, "Hey, Hoss." He always called me Hoss, and he'd say, uh, "Hey, Hoss." He said, "What's the difference between?" Uh, Ignorance and apathy. And I was a little tender on it. he go, I don't know, and I don't care. And uh, it took me like two or three years to figure out that that was the thing. <laughs> but anyway, how many was first-timers? All right, I feel sorry for you. I truly do. And for the rest of you mugs, I don't feel sorry for you because you know and you're here anyway. But uh, Dink and I spent a lot of time on these trails over the last 25 years. In fact, we've been doing ultra-distance races for over 30 years. So he did a lot of experience in designing this uh, course for you. And I'll talk a little bit about the course, but not too much, because quite frankly, you know, if you know, you know. And if you don't, it's probably better that you don't. <laughs> um, and even if I describe something, you're not going to remember it tomorrow when you're, you know, crashing through these rocks and bouncing off the mud. And I will say this. If you get out a little too quick, I think Rob Younger knows this part. Um, there's a section about eight eight or nine miles in, one of the first significant climbs of the day after you've come off across power line and you've got about 20 or 30 pounds of mud on your shoes that you're trying to get off. You go up this hill we call K2. And if you went a little too hard and your heart rate gets a little too high, if you look up slightly to the left, you'll see this big Brahma bull just breathing at you, wanting to take you out and knock you down. And I suggest if you see that, you slow down a little bit, get the heart rate back in control, because you want to keep him behind you until later in the run, okay? So um, the only other thing I'll say about, they mentioned the stone cuts, but we call halfway fern drop. There's a, a, a orange gate there that uh, I like to climb, and uh, hopefully 25th time to climb. Um, 
And we call that halfway, even though it's 17 miles and you only have 14 to go. But very few people will run faster on that second half. Hardly anybody. I think there's only a handful that will actually uh, that will show you a little bit of the second half. Uh, it has a lot of character or it builds character. It's like the Apostle Paul said, uh, suffering uh, builds endurance. Endurance builds character, and character builds hope. And you'll need a lot of hope on the second half. <laughs> I mean, you need hope that uh, your quads are not just going to fly apart when you're bouncing off the rocks on a railroad bed. Or you'll need to hope that your back's not going to spasm so bad as you're going climbing the waterfall face of waterline. Or, or, or you'll need hope that you're not going to fall off the edge of this massively eroded trail going down from a, a natural well down in McKay's Hollow. Just hope that you don't fall there. Or hope that you don't cry too much going up what I call Crybaby Hill at the end of at the bottom of McKay's Hollow. Or uh, hope that that bull doesn't smash you in the face as you're climbing up Rest Shelter Hill towards the end past Kathy's bench as you're trying to keep moving forward. Or maybe hope that you don't punch Nick in the face when you get to the finish because he put all that mess in the second half of the corner. <laughs> but but uh, speaking of the second half, there at Railroad Bed that Mr. Rose was talking about earlier, about 21 miles, you'll start on literally the old railroad bed of this narrow-gauge railroad that used to meander its way up here to the top of the mountain. You're literally running on the railroad bed. Um, some people say it's a little rocky. I don't know. But I know if you're in the right frame of mind and your feet are tapping those rocks, It'll remind you of those axes, swing and pickaxes, building those trestles that you'll see. Just enjoy the view there, the history. And if you're really in the right frame of mind, as you leave railroad bed and you go on to Um's house, you'll hear this lonesome train whistle blow trying to call you home, but you got to keep moving. And then you'll kind of move over to uh, three caves and start up water line. Water line, easiest trail to follow on the whole mountain. You turn left and go straight. <laughs> no switchbacks, nothing. Just go straight. So that's all said about that. Uh, <laughs> but when you get to the top, it might be a little rough. It doesn't matter if you're David Riddle or whoever, you're going to be crawling there. Just climbing up these little waterfall faces. And that's when you got to remember, well, that's why I double tied my shoes this morning. Or that's why I did long runs with Carrie Long to try to get through this. Or um, the way I look at it is you can give into it. You can just quit there if you want. You can get up to Burit and stop. But like I tell Dane, time's going to keep ticking either way. So you can just sit there. Or you can just uh, use the time and take forward with it. So um, the thing about it is, is, you know, I've spent a lot of time up there, 25 years plus, dancing across the trails. We've got a lot of great memories of it. Um, and that's what I hope all you do is runners. You know, runners are a different breed. You know, there's climbers, there's cyclists, but runners have this different mentality. Of, and once you're a runner, you're always a runner. doesn't matter if you've been sidelined from injury or you're older and you don't run as much, but you have this mentality that, you're a runner. You go, uh, you, you don't necessarily want to do the suffering, but you welcome it and you do. Uh, it's like Brett used to tell he's got this great saying when you're racing or when you're running, don't chase the pain, let it come to you. But when it comes to you, you deal with it. And that's what we do uh, as runners. You know, I like to um, re-quote this, uh, the boxer by uh, Simon Garfunkel, but I changed the words a little bit. It says, uh, the way I say it is, on the trail came a fighter and a runner by his name. And he carries the reminders of every race that laid him low or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame. I'm fading, I'm fading, but the runner still remains. So no matter how your race is going, just keep running, keep moving. And remember, 
Uh, tough runs don't last, but tough runners do. Y'all have a fantastic race tonight.